another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz, and my guest today is Tucker Max. He's the co-founder at Book in a Box and a four-time New York Times best-selling author. So we're going to talk about books today. So Tucker, thanks for joining me. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, brother. So I'm just going to totally throw you up the softball question. What is Book in a Box? <laughs> So I'll answer that. It's a company that that I started along with Zach O'Brien, but I'll answer that by telling a story, the the origin story, which is pretty quick and, and really is indicative of what we do. I was at an entrepreneurial dinner, and this woman said, "People have been asking me to write a book for ten years, and it's a huge pain in the butt, and I, I don't know how to do it. I don't I don't have time. How can I get this book out of my head without having to to do the normal process?" And so I looked at her, and I'm like. Are you asking me how to write a book without writing it? And she's like, yeah. And so, of course, like being the snobby elitist writer that I am, I started like lecturing her about hard work and you know all the nonsense that all the the, uh, the writer elites always say. And she stopped me and she's like, Tucker, is this an entrepreneurial dinner or a writer dinner? I said, it's an entrepreneurial dinner. Yeah. And she's like, okay, are you – so if you're an entrepreneur, like – I, she's like, I don't think you're an entrepreneur because an actual entrepreneur would help me solve my problem and not lecture me at hard work. And I, I was, I got all mad at her, but she was 100% right. And so I got obsessed with this idea. How do I get a book out of someone's head? That, like their ideas and their words out of their head and into a book without them having to sit at a computer for a year. And I realized uh, it took me about two months because I'm slow, but I realized that scribes have been doing this for 2,000 years. You know, like Jesus never wrote anything down. Apostles did, right? And Socrates never wrote anything down. Plato did. And Buddha, you know, his disciples. And we go down the list, right? And so I was like, well, if Jesus can do it, why not Melissa? (laughs) And so uh, I basically like got her on the phone, for uh, interviewed her. And, you know, it took me a while to really refine the process, but the book worked great. And then it turns out a lot of other people had this need. And now we're three and a half years later, we've done 750 books and we're kind of steaming along. You know, it's funny on, on a much smaller scale, I've been doing that for years because so many of my clients, I, you know, I told them you need content, you need content. And they're like, I can't, you know, I don't what, like, what do I write? And uh, so I started that practice. I would just start recording them and then give that to somebody and say, here, make, make 700 words out of this. Yep. Um, and, uh, and so you've taken it to, to a whole nother level. So, but it is, you know, there are a lot of people who, who uh, the blank sheet is scarier than anything else, but they'll talk to you for days. Yep. Exactly. I think that's the the key. Well, that's the way, that's the way the human brain is designed. It's designed to speak and to interact in person. It's not designed to writing is a whole different medium. And some people are really good writers Mm -hmm. and they don't really have anything interesting to say. And then some, some of the smartest, most brilliant people I know can't write at all. So why not be an interpreter for them, essentially? Yeah. You know, a scribe. That's yeah. what a scribe is. So what have you learned about growth in this crazy ride? Because you've, you know, 750 bucks. I mean, that's a lot of growth. Oh, man. So like business growth or personal yeah, growth? Because yeah. I've had to, yeah, I've know, had to grow a lot. It's hard to separate those. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny. I forget who said it. Someone really smart said that your business problems are almost always your personal problems in disguise. Yeah. And I feel like that, at least that's been very true for me. Yeah. I know almost every problem we've had in Book in a Box is a problem like that I didn't know I had. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, oh, here's a great one. I fired myself as CEO of my company. We hired uh, a, like a real CEO professional who'd done this a bunch. 
And um, the guy was like, the only reason I was able to do that emotionally, step out of that role is because I'd done enough therapy and I realized, you know what, this company's not about me. It's about our mission. It's about our, you know, our people. It's about the clients we serve. It's about writing books. And if that's true, then I need to focus on the thing I'm good at, which is product, not scaling a company. And dude, we had done about two and a half million in sales before, um, we hired him and we're closing in on 20 million now. And that's in like two years, that difference. He 10 X us in two years just because I was able to thankfully have just barely enough humility to get out of the way of someone great at, at that role. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, it, I'm sure that there are countless stories of organizations that, that you, know, you, you have an idea, but it, you know, the idea is pretty easy to outgrow the, the founder of the idea, isn't it? Yes. I mean, it in, did. Ter- it in did. terms of what the, you know, the levers and the pulling and all that kind of stuff happens, you know, few, few entrepreneurs are really capable of doing that part. Well, cause they're different skills. Seeing a need in a market and creating something to meet that need is a very valuable skill, but it's totally different than scaling a company is about operations and about coaching people and about all those sorts of things. It's totally different. <laughs> I can't tell you how many uh, founders, entrepreneurs that I've had on the show that have grown uh, pretty good-sized businesses that that will come. Almost every single one of them will tell you their biggest problem was people problems. But what that was really saying is they didn't know how to manage people. <laughs> you are 100% correct. It was such a relief for me when I kind of let go of having to be the CEO. And we brought in someone who was good at, at coaching people and loved it. Cause like I'm, I'm not like, I love the, I love our, our tribe and our people are amazing, but like sometimes I just want to go home and be selfish and like, leave me alone, you know, but you can't, if you're the CEO, that's not possible. Like you've got to be there for them. And I just like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay now saying I, I just not, I wasn't enough to fill that role, you know? So let's go back to books. Does everybody need a book? Is that like a calling card now? Yeah. You know, I, uh, I'll say this. I, I don't believe everyone needs to write a book. I believe that in in if you are in let me, let me scope it down. If you sell your knowledge, if that's part of your business, right? Like if you're you know if you're I, I don't mean to di- like to diss construction workers, but construction workers don't need a book, right? And you know probably even contractors don't need a book. Why that doesn't even make sense, right? And contractors do really well. Construction workers do really well. But if you're a knowledge worker, you know, lawyer, doctor, consultant, coach, executive, things like that, if you essentially sell what you know how to do, um, I think above a certain level, having a book has become essential to distinguish yourself and to really kind of move up. Yeah, I I, I do. I, I would say yes. Yeah, I would agree. So – in your process, well, and maybe you need to talk about it, some of the steps in the process. So maybe let's start there. Why don't you, you know, quickly, like you already alluded to the idea that you interview somebody, but then, you know, how does it turn in, how does it turn into a book from there? And, you know, is there, you know, is there a prototypical kind of story or book that makes a better book? I've asked you about 10 questions in one there, but. Yeah, right. So <laughs> uh, like I'll, I'll, I'll answer, it's sort of a follow-up to your last, does everyone need a book and how does our process work? Mm-hmm. The big thing that we always emphasize to our client is that you're better off with no book than a bad book. Uh-huh. And so we really emphasize, like we won't work with clients who we think don't have a good book in them because, you know, we don't want to do bad, like wh- no one wins if we do a bad book. We look bad, they look bad. There's no, no winners there. And then also like the big thing, like uh, with our process, our process is designed, 
it's an interview process. So like you basically just have to, you have to know what you're talking about and you have to get on the phone with us and be able to talk about what you know. Mm -hmm. And if, if you can do those two things, we can get a really good book out of you. The problem that like that, that we face is that sometimes we'll deal with people who like don't actually know either they don't know what they're talking about or they want to write a book that's way beyond what it is they know. Like we'll get a doctor in who's a world class at one specific thing, but he wants to write a book on like finding your passion. And it's like, dude, you don't really know how to do that, right? Let's focus on what you know. Uh, And so to answer, to sum it up, yes, the very best books are the ones that pull the curtain back and share the knowledge and wisdom you have that is valuable to people. Like that is the most important thing you can do in a book because if you don't do that, then the book's not valuable to anybody but you. It's just an ego piece. Yeah. So what's what I'm sure you coach folks on how to prepare because obviously they show up that interview and you're going to ask them questions. But is there is there, you know, is there a process that you have to help people get their thoughts organized or to prepare for those interviews? So we actually are. So we have two different offerings now. We have a like the turn, the high end turnkey solution. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like we don't really tell people to prepare because the, the the a little bit but the idea is they should be able to show up with just their knowledge and be ready to go now usually what we'll do is at the end of specific calls it's a very the detailed pro like uh, details of the process don't really matter but it's it's you're working with several different people and each person has a specific role and they, it's like kind of like gates like once you get through one gate then you can do the next gate etc cetera, etc cetera. so like you know positioning outline interviews all that kind of stuff um but here's here's the 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 key with this is we will give them homework after call sometimes. Okay, you know, before your next call, think about this, collect this story, et cetera. We definitely do that. But we don't – the more people prepare, at least in our process, generally speaking, the worse they do because they don't even know how to prepare. So we've structured our, – our process is really structured and algorithmic almost on our side. But we don't we, – we take all the burden on. We don't want them trying to prepare because it's like – it's sort of like either become a chef or just pay for the meal. But don't – you know, like when you go to a restaurant, you don't go in the back and help the chef, you know? You either work at the restaurant or you pay for the meal and that's that's kind of – we want people to almost feel like they're going to a restaurant and paying for the meal. They're part of the experience. Like it, it, what they do matters but they're not prepping and they're not cooking, you know? Yep. So where would you, I mean, you, you probably have had people come to you and say, Hey, I'm thinking about your approach or, you know, I have a friend that has an agent that's going to talk to a, you know, publisher or I could self-publish. I mean, how, how do you kind of guide somebody to say, well, you know what, this is the path you ought to take. Yeah, it's great. Great question. And a lot of people ask us that the, the basic answer so the base, two basic ways are traditional or self. And traditional means you're going, you know, finding an agent, you're going to HarperCollins or Simon Schuster or whatever. Here's the reality is that most people cannot get a traditional deal. Uh, the only way you're getting a traditional deal is if you already have an existing audience that you can sell your book to. Like, John, obviously you could get a deal. I mean, you have one. But, like, if you hadn't done books before, you could you could get a deal because you have an audience, right? And and it's not just a small audience. Like, the the traditional publisher, for the most part, if they don't expect you to sell a minimum of twenty five thousand, maybe some are ten, but the real the real ones want want a, a clear path to twenty five thousand copies, and if not, they're they're just not going to invest their time and effort because really what all they are now is IP they're just IP arbitrage plays. Mm-hmm. They're 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 existing in this space hoping to monetize your audience. Yeah. 
so now, traditional works uh, makes – I like to say if you're a celebrity, if you're an athlete, if you are someone who is – like call it a public figure and that's your job, then traditional still makes a lot of sense. For business people, entrepreneurs, executives, coaches, that kind of thing, um, the, in the broadest sense, self-publishing makes a ton of sense. But I always tell them you've got to do professional self-publishing. So even if you don't work with us, you've got to make sure everything about your book looks good because if you don't, people will judge you. Yeah. Like they, if you have a cover that looks like it was bought on Fiverr or 99designs, people will think you are like less professional. And they're right, at least in a book sense, but they'll judge all of you, which fair or unfair is just true. It's just what they'll do. And, and the other big thing – too, as a business professional that working with someone like us or doing self-publishing, why it helps is because you own the book. So you get to give the book away for free uh, as, you know, or in any way you want, you can use the book in your marketing, yeah. which is really why you're writing a book, right? But if you have a publisher, they don't want you to use the book in marketing. They want you to sell copies because that's their business. And so for most people, for whom a book is a gateway to something else, they should be in in some form of self-publisher. Yeah, that's a great, I mean, part of it, before you even start thinking about a book, I, you, know, you need to think about where is it going to fit into everything you're doing or, you know, what's, what's your overall objective? What's the end game? What's, you know, do you want to make a certification course out of it? You know, I mean, I think that's, those are all considerations on considering a book period, aren't they? Yep. Yes, 100%. So, um have you had anybody come to you, and again, 750 books, surely you have, <laughs> that you, you're like, hey, we want to do a book, and you're like, okay, and you start the process, and you go, oh, man, <laughs> we've we've discovered somebody. <laughs> uh, this this is going to be a killer book. Have you had that experience? Oh, yeah. There's a guy, Philip McKernan, we're working with, who uh, his book has not come out yet, but it's called One Last Talk. He has this kind of underground speaking thing where people give like what would be their deathbed speech, but they do it like – when they're alive, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, we've had, you know, a lot of, here's the thing, John, there, most of our books, almost all of them are really, really good, but all of them, most of them are deeply niche. Like they're, they're, they're for a very specific type of audience, which is what we recommend our authors do write a niche book. And if you're, if you're writing to sell copies, that doesn't make sense. If you're like a traditional sort of model, it doesn't make sense. But if you're writing, um, to promote yourself and your business, niche is the way to go. I mean, like, what's the saying? Riches are in the niches, right? Because because if you're running to a niche, chances are no one else is talking to them and no one else is talking to them specifically about this problem. So you get to own the niche and then you become the authority and the expert in that niche. And now everyone who wants that service or that knowledge is coming to you. And so like, we've written a lot of books that like, are huge in a really like a niche of 5,000 or 10,000 or 100,000 people, but no one outside of that niche has ever heard of, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then, and, and then obviously you, you know, there's not going to have the competition in there either. Probably. Exactly. Not competition, not only for book sales, yeah. but really more importantly for consulting, for speaking is right. a big one. Right. Our very first client, Melissa Gonzalez wrote a book about pop-up retail, like how to set up a pop-up retail thing which is crazy niche. I mean, there may be a 5,000 people on earth who care about that, but those 5,000 people really care. And so now she's keynoting like big conferences. She's like, like three or four fortune 500 companies or clients of hers because they're all retail companies, right? She's the expert in that space now. So writing the book, as we all know, and getting, you know, I suppose you could say there's three parts, write the book. Then you, if you're self-publishing, you get it 
designed and edited and, and printed, then distribution. So how, I, I think that's one of the real challenges. I mean, the sell of a traditional publishers, they've got all the connections, the sales, uh, you know, distributions in place. So you've had to actually bridge that gap. Um, I, I'm assuming by having distribution channels for your books as well. Yeah. So we, we, we use uh, pretty standard distribution channels, to be honest. Uh, like we put the books on Amazon, iBooks. Uh, we put them in Ingram Spark so that like Ingram's a big book distributor. So like BNN and a bunch of the, the major uh, chains, uh, you, you know, source through Ingram. Um, so like our authors can get like if any, any author who publishes through us, anyone can walk into Barnes and Noble and can order their book and it'll be there in like a day or less. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, now we don't have established sales relationships with borders and stuff, but dude, the reality is less than 20% of book sales are physical sales through stores anymore. And almost all of those are novels. Yeah. Like it's crazy. Like no one airport bookstores are the only ones that really sell any appreciable numbers of business books anymore. Um, and even those only sell like the very, very, most famous top ones and that's it retail shelf placement is just really not relevant to a book success anymore yeah so so many even the big retailers are you know carrying one copy of a book if they have it um yep they just don't have they just don't want to sit on the inventory exactly so you mentioned a couple formats so audiobooks kindles hardcover paperback all are available right uh yeah yeah we can do all those easily Mm -hmm. so do you offer your authors any advice on how to get their book to sell? Uh, because obviously, you know, the success of the book is really going to depend on them getting out there. Uh, you know, there's no no ad budget or uh, sales team promoting it. So do you do you uh, help your folks uh, yep. at least figure out how mm-hmm. to sell? Well, we, we do, we have, uh, we do a couple things. So included in the package, we have a little bit of like uh, marketing at, at the beginning. It's mainly just helping them launch it to their list and helping them get reviews and those sort of things. So we kind of structure, that's part of the package. Then we have a whole marketing course that all of our clients get for free, which is like a super high level book marketing course that really kind of walks them through exactly not what to do, but how to think about it and how to make the right decisions. Because here's the the sort of secret to book marketing, John, that I know you you know well. There's no such thing as the right way to market a book. There's only how to use that book to achieve your specific goal. Yeah. And so most of our clients, there's almost no generic advice that fits even a third of our clients. You know, like we have clients who are financial advisors who specialize in a certain type of client. And so like do, getting them in the New York Times would be useless right. because they need to only be in front of, you know, high net worth divorced women or something like that, whatever their their client base is. Other clients, they you know, like uh, they're totally different. So what we do is the big thing we help them with with marketing is reframing a book to understand their job is not to sell copies of the book. Their job is to use the book to get the the deal or the authority or the speaking or whatever it is, the thing they want. And so we tell them exactly how to use the book. And then a lot of times we connect them to people who can help them uh, do that thing, whether it's speaking or Facebook ads or whatever their specific strategy is. Awesome. So uh, we haven't talked about cost. Is that something that is case by case or do you? No, no, no. It's flat fee. Right now we're about to raise our prices to 30 grand, but for the next month, or two, what is it? Say in March next two months, it's still twenty five. 
um, it's like we're criminally underpriced. We did that on purpose to gain market share, and then you know we you know because we, we you know how it goes. You raise you go high end as you as you establish market share, and you can add on services and all that kind of stuff. So we're 25 now. We'll be 30 on June 1st. Um, and yeah, it's it's flat fee. Everyone pays the same. There's the only ways you pay more is if you add certain specific services. So Tucker, where can people find out more about Book in a Box? Bookinabox.com. Pretty simple. Yeah, pretty simple. So I appreciate you showing up and telling us about uh, Book in a Box. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll see you out there on the road again sometime soon. Thanks, brother. This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is sponsored by Podcast Bookers. Podcastbookers.com. Podcasts are really hot, right? But you know what's also really hot? appearing as a guest on one of the many, many podcasts out there. Think about it. Much easier than writing a guest blog post. You get some high-quality content. You get great backlinks. People want to share that content. Maybe you can even transcribe that content. Being a guest on podcasts, getting yourself booked on podcasts is a really, really great SEO tactic, great brand-building tactic Podcast bookers can get you booked on two to three to four podcasts every single month on autopilot. Go check it out. Podcastbookers.com.